During our summer sermon series, we have immersed ourselves in the first nine chapters of Acts, discovering or rediscovering ways that God has empowered the church to live out its calling and mission. A key verse for our journey together began in chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If we were to continue through the entire book of Acts, <clears throat> we would travel with the Apostle Paul in his attempts to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, chapters 10 to 28. Today we fast forward to chapter 28, which begins with an imprisoned Paul being transported to Rome alongside other prisoners, and finally arriving in Rome, where we encounter our brief reading for today. Hear now the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 28, verses 14 through 16 and 30 through 31. There we found believers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. The believers from there, when they heard of us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. When we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. He lived there for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. And now I'll invite Paula. Lord, you're everything, and you've blessed us beyond anything we can know. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together um, and for Paul. I pray that you give him clarity of mind and wisdom and that through his words we would see Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this past week was my, or our, Devin, and my wedding anniversary. And um, these days, we used to be ones who um, would kind of look forward with great anticipation to celebrating with lots of friends and families. Um, kind of markers, birthdays, anniversaries. But these days, after having a, a baby introduced to the picture, we um, look forward to just the simpler things, like um, all we wanted was a dinner out and a movie together. <laughs> and um, so we were so thankful. Um, on Friday night, we went to um, dinner together, and then we decided to go see um, the movie Get Low with um, Sissy Spacek and Robert Duvall. Has anyone seen that movie yet? You, good movie, huh, Sherwoods? Yeah? Yeah. Um, well, you need to go see it if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but in the beginning, Robert Duvall is meeting with a pastor, and he says, um, he says, he says I, I'm, I've come to you because I want to plan my funeral. And the guy says, well, is, are you sick? And he says, no. And he says, well, what do you mean you want to plan your funeral? And you're alive. And he's like, well, I want to have my memorial service, my funeral, while I'm still alive. And the guy looks at me and he's, um, well you know, what, I've never had this request before. Why, why would you want to do this? And he says, um, I'm here, pastor, I'm, I'm here to get low. And um, the rest of the movie is this unraveling, this story, um, quite beautiful, um, of um, him wanting to um, just get right, get low, be humble um, before the community and before God. And so, um, I want to start this morning with saying that um, 
my desire with this sermon is to get low. <laughs> that my desire is to have a humble and a contrite heart, um, realizing that I'm weaving together maybe a theme that touches very close to home for some of you and for some of us um, this summer. So this is the last sermon of our summer sermon series, and as Whitney just reminded us, we have been, for the past ten weeks, planning ourselves in the first nine chapters of the book of Acts, looking at how the earliest Christians were called and empowered to be a community. Most recently, we've explored the theme of holy conversations. Um, two weeks ago, when Sherry um, had us in chapter eight, um, with Paul and the Ethiopian eunuch and chariots, and she reminded us of those chariot conversations and the chariots that are passing us and to watch for those um, holy conversations that Jesus wants us to have. And then last week, Sherry had us looking at Paul's conversion, the Apostle Paul, in, the chap in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. So if we stay with these themes, con conversations about what God is doing in, our, in and around us can lead to conversion experiences which lead us to today's theme of transformation. MIPC, a community empowered to transform. When I think of transformations, I personally tend to think of beginnings and endings, but rarely um, do I think of what goes on in the in-between spaces. We all know that everything eventually comes to an end. Jobs and relationships, lifestyles, good times, bad times. And as we've been reminded all too much of this summer, indeed our human lives will also eventually come to an end. Our lives in essence, at its very basic and truest form, are the unfolding, the revealing of some sort of epic story. And the ending of a story is very important. Sometimes it's not the best or the most exciting part of a story, but it's still important. The end of a good story can work out the tensions of a drama, and usually by the end of a story, the moral or the point has been made. The ending of a good book often leaves us with a, a lingering taste which we can savor for a long, long time after we turn the final page of that book. On the other hand, there's nothing worse than a novel that doesn't end well or watching a movie that just fizzles out. And it can be uh, grueling and so hard to listen to someone talk and talk and talk who doesn't know how to make a point. Hopefully that's not what you'll think today. I'm sure we've all had the experience of being stuck on an airplane that for some reason has to keep circling an airport, but it can never land. The ending of a story, the point of a story, is, is when you bring the story in for a landing. And when it comes to the end of one's life, I've been thinking that it's so important to land well. Our text today brings us to the end of the book of Acts. And you're probably asking, how on earth did we go from Acts chapter 9 to Acts chapter 28? And I'm glad you're asking that. The answer, because in some respects, it's the end of a story. Through much of Acts, we follow the conversion, of, the conversion journeys of Paul, and now we're, we've um, been catapulted or fast-forwarded to the last chapter, the end of what is written in the book of Acts. And we find Paul imprisoned in Rome, where he, he spent two years before his death, and it's somewhat surprising that we are told that Paul, upon his arrival in Rome, what does he do? He thanks God, and he takes courage, even in this season of his life. But even more interesting, perhaps, is the fact that even though Paul knows 
an end or his end is approaching, he has lived his life with gratitude and with courage. That Paul has lived his life with gratitude and with courage ever since that first day that he encountered, that he experienced, that he came into relationship with the, the living, the resurrected, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. As many are, I'm a bit stunned by the number of deaths that we have received or news of or experienced this summer related to our MIPC family. Some of them expected, some of them completely unexpected, all of them sad, sad losses for our church, family, and the greater community. So again, I've obviously been spending a lot of time thinking about endings and how endings can tell us something about the journey or our journey through life. And one thing that I am becoming more and more convinced of is that the older we get, most of us become more like the person that we've always been. The older we get, most of us become more and more like the person we have always been. So if this is true, for many of us, the end of our life will say something very significant about how we've lived all along the way. As a pastor, I've been most often officiating memorial services, but Friday afternoon, I I sat in the pews of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church at a memorial service for a, a friend who died far too young at the age of 20 years old. Some very thoughtful and nice things were said about him during that service, and I was moved by the mark or the marks that his short life has left on this world. And as I sat there, I, I, I started thinking to myself and wondering, what will folks remember of me at my memorial service? Am I living the life? Am I being the person that God has called me to be, that I want to be remembered as? I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if after my memorial service, the lingering taste, the lasting memory that friends and family, family had about my life was one of a life lived with gratitude and with courage. And as I reflected on those questions, I realized that so much of what our legacies will depend on is how the scripts of our lives unfold before we approach the end. You know, those in-between times, those, um, the ongoing journey of our life, whatever season of life or um, faith we are in. Another humbling reminder of this summer has been that so many of us will not experience or have the experience of knowing when or where that end will come. So maybe you are still younger and you're sitting out there thinking, I'm decades away from an ending. Well, let's hope and assume that you are 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years away from an end. Why on earth, then, should you be thinking about the end of your life? My personal and professional life has led me to believe that if we look carefully at the ending of any life that we admire, think about who that person is in your life that you admire the most. If we think carefully about the ending of life, the ending of the life of anyone that we admire, we'll notice how significant choices of maybe that person's youth or younger years became for them. The decisions that we made, the decisions that we make in our younger years can have dramatic implications for how our life unravels and eventually ends. In my own life, I know this to be both painfully but also joyfully true. I would argue that 
younger people confront more forks in the road. Questions like, should I go this way or should I go that way? Should I pursue this dream or that dream? It's, it's always kind of like this sliding door experiences. Which door do you walk through? I would argue that they confront more forks in the road than they will at any other time in life. And the most important choices aren't just about careers or relationships. They're also about our worldview, our sense of self, our discovery of our voice and our place in this world, our sense and our, of our purpose in life. Why do we exist? Our morals, our convictions, whether we live in fear or we live in faith, of whom we will serve. It's been said that every one of us will serve somebody or something. This isn't to say that mistakes or taking wrong directions cannot be redeemed or corrected later in life. Of course, the scriptures proclaim that God's mercies are new every morning, that we can try again and again with each new day. We hear this clearly in, in Lamentations. But it's important to understand that the Christian understanding and, and hear me correctly here, because I, I really had to tweak this out last night and, and think about this out loud with Devin, my wife. But the Christian understanding of redemption is not the same thing as starting over. Yes, we can always make better and more faithful choices as we move our ways through life. Yes, the love of God always forgives and creates a new future with new possibilities. Yes, we can change our life, but we always, we always bring forth that old self with us, into our new life. That is part of the wonderful complexity that we have of living a new life, one that is authentic, one that is whole, one that is complete in Jesus Christ. The truth is, life can be so momentary, it can be so fleeting, and in an end, and it can come to an end in an instant, when we least expect it. Ten short years of pastoral ministry at MIPC led me to sitting at my young friend's memorial service on Friday, and I found myself thinking that the, that the sooner that we can discover our holy purpose, our meaning in life, the more time that we have to make a difference with our lives, with gratitude and with courage. I mean, isn't that precisely why we, as MIPC, invest so much resource and energy into children and children's and youth ministry? I, I hope it is. Over the years, I've had many conversations with people in nursing homes and retirement communities. And you know what? Not one of them, not one of them has tried to impress me with a resume. <laughs> but all of them have told me about their families, their church, their hardships, um, their, their joys, their peaks, their valleys of life. They've shared their story, which in turn has shed light on so many things that they deeply value, that they deeply believe in. I've learned and I learn so much from the older generations, from so many of you. The gratitude and the courage always pours out of your stories. But sitting there, I often hear that their only regret is that they wish they had spent more time with things that made a difference. Now they see what they wished they had seen as younger people. There it is again. Another reason maybe why the young should think about the end of the story. 
Now, maybe you aren't so young, but are more so at the halfway moment or in the fourth quarter of your life. You've spent the first parts of life determined to succeed, and there was always more and more, there are always more and more promotions or money to collect, but you've started to wonder if gathering more and more success is the best use of your life. It, I don't know about you, but I also believe that it takes most, if not all, of our energy to move from one little box on the organizational chart to another. And when you get there, what are we met by? We're met with more responsibility, which demands more energy and more time. And I would guess that we don't mind giving a great deal of energy and time, but it does leave us questioning, of wondering if we are giving our energy, our time, our lives to something worthy. This is also when you start to think less of the drive for success and more of a drive for significance. It's also when you can make some critical decisions about how you will play the second half or later seasons of your life. Does anyone here watch the show Friday Night Lights? That's it? Friday Night Lights? Well, it's on Friday nights. <laughs> I would encourage you to watch it. Devin and I love this show. It's about a Texas town called Dillon, and the show revolves around the hometown pride and joy, high school football. How many times have I seen a Dillon team come out of the halftime break completely pumped, completely invigorated? Because something happened in that locker room. Perhaps it's time for you to take a break and ask yourself if you want to play the second half or these later seasons of your life, the remaining seasons of your life, the same way that you've played the first half or lived your life so far. If you've spent seasons of life striving for success, if you've spent your time accumulating power or wealth from the community, the good news is that we always have the opportunities to be good stewards of those resources to the community. We can use those resources now for the second half or the remaining seasons of our life, doing something of significance for the community. We don't have to spend the rest of our, our lives trying to leave more financial assets or legacies behind us. Instead, we can choose to make a change in the quality of life of others. And I know that this can be a risky thing to say in this economy. But the truth is, friends, that when all is said and done, that when all is said and done, following God and serving others is what gives, is what restores meaning and purpose to our lives. That's it. Following God and serving others. Choose to make a difference in building community, of being an active participant with God, of transformation in your life and quite possibly the life of another. We can choose to live with the Apostle Paul in gratitude and courage. In fact, it's precisely our gratitude that gives us the courage to trust God, to devote ourselves to the things that God is devoted to, and to take the risk of making a, a, a slight or a significant adjustment in our lives. As I mentioned earlier, the Apostle Paul spent two years imprisoned in Rome. However, it's important to know that he spent another two and a half years under arrest on his way to Rome. During these four and a half years, among other things, he was thrown in jails, he was shipwrecked, he was snake-bitten, he was betrayed, he was attacked by mobs. This was after years of having people 
harass him and throw rocks at him in most cities of the Roman Empire, which makes it all the more amazing that the final words about his life, recorded as the last words of the book of Acts, are this. That he, Paul, was teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance. Long ago, since Paul's first encounter with the living, resurrected Christ, he experienced that obstacles couldn't hinder a life well-lived. And when I say a life well-lived, I mean a life devoted and committed to God's dreams for ourselves and for others. Friends, if you've found a mission, if you've found a purpose, if you've found a calling, or if you are considering a calling of of significance that's worth your life, don't be surprised if there are some obstacles in the way. In fact, if the mission, if the calling is really significant, then I can almost guarantee you that there will be obstacles in your path. But stay the course. God will see you through it. Our journeys toward ending strong aren't about living so carefully that we minimize mistakes or living with so much fear that we would avoid obstacles. Our journeys of ending strong involve what we Christians, what we as the body of Christ call transformation. And we are a community who has been empowered for transformation. Transformation isn't always a split-second change of heart or change of direction. In fact, it's more often than not a very slow and arduous process that requires our time and our commitment. And our journey of transformation will always involve our need to turn and to turn again toward the grace of God regardless of our age or our stage in life. And it's because of God's grace, or maybe so it's within or in God's grace. I I love an image of um, us standing outside in the pouring rain, and that is the image of God's grace, that whether we want it or not, whether we deserve it or not, whether we think we need it or not, the rain pours, the grace pours. So it's because of God's grace, and maybe more so it's in or within that grace, that we will find and experience gratitude and the courage to do what we are created to do, to be who we have been created to be. So let me end with this. The story of Acts is the story of God's creation and calling together of the earliest believers in Jesus Christ. Today, we ended Acts 28. But Acts 29 is still being written. You are Acts 29. Be grateful. Have courage. Let your lives tell a story. And to God be the glory. Let us pray. O God, giver of all life, giver of every breath that we take, giver of every good and perfect gift, speak to us now, for we are listening. Give us gratitude and grant us courage to follow wherever you lead. Send your Holy Spirit so that every one of us 
may be made whole in body and mind and spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please join in singing our communion song. Some have plenty, some have none. At the table of our God, all are plentifully fed. Blow among us, Spirit of God. Fill us with your courage. of his life chose to have a meal with his friends and his community to share those last hours together, perhaps knowing about the sacredness that happens when sharing a meal together, and not just any meal, but the communion meal. And Jesus wasn't just inviting them into that type of fellowship, but was inviting all of us into that type of fellowship, knowing that for generations to come, People would gather in Jesus' name to share that same meal together. And us as a community getting to follow in this tradition, come together to share in this meal and to be reminded that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, calls us to be transformed, both as individuals and as a community, 